And I never like to feel like you're walking away from something, but I just was like, I wonder if I'm going to go into this and just be super stressed about it instead of excited and like optimistic. Like, and, and I was like, that's not why I run. That's not why I train and race to feel pressure. Like I do it because it brings me joy. So anyway, I've decided not to do indie, and I'm going to just keep training and do a late fall or early winter marathon to be decided. If you're an avid runner and looking for help to understand the science, simplify the complicated and remove hurdles so that your next run is not only fun and fulfilling, but also fuels you with passion and purpose, then you're in the right place. Runner Click presents The Passionate Runner with your host, me, Whitney Hines. Hi, and welcome to episode 22 of Runner Clicks, the Passionate Runner podcast. I'm your host, Whitney Hines. I'm a lifelong runner, a certified running coach, and founder of TheMotherRunners.com, a resource for moms who run. And today, we get the joy and pleasure of speaking with Natalie Mitchell, host of the Sweet Run podcast. And we talk about a lot of things. This is actually a unique episode We recorded this episode a couple months ago, and some of the audio went missing, and we weren't able to record until just recently, and a lot has changed in those eight weeks, so it's kind of like a time capsule. The first half of the show, we talk about running, why we love running, despite all the sacrifices and heartache it can give us, how Natalie managed to handle a marathon DNF with Grace, her comeback from a recent injury. And then in the second half, we talk about how her life has been rocked. Her husband, Gerald, who is a co-host of the podcast, a runner, he suffered a major health emergency that you would never think a runner would have. It was life-threatening. And we talk about that and the lessons she learned from that, lessons she wants to share with all of you. And then we also talk about runner safety in light of the murder of Liza Fletcher. So some pretty heavy topics more about Natalie. She's the host of the Sweet Run podcast with her husband, Gerald, as I mentioned. They talk to passionate runners each week about running and travel. She was a Division I cross-country and track athlete at UC Santa Barbara, and she's run 12 marathons so far with a PR of 305 in the marathon in 2019 and a 127 and a half in 2018. She's been coached by some of the best coaches in the sport, and she's currently training for a marathon, she thinks, in February now. Natalie is a certified running coach through RCA. She has written many, actually, let me redo that. That's wrong. Natalie is a certified running coach through Roadrunners Association of America. She's written many articles for Women's Running Magazine. She's an ambassador for Brooks Running and had the honor of being on the cover of Runner's World in the spring of 2021. She's coached many athletes to their first marathon and beyond and is currently coaching athletes online and distance running. Natalie is a mom to three amazing kids, 15, 12, and 9, and they absolutely love living in Southern California, where most every day is a sunny adventure. We are going to get to our interview with Natalie after this short message from our sponsor, RunnerClick. If you are an avid runner and looking for help to understand the science, simplify the complicated, and remove hurdles so that your next run is not only fun and fulfilling, but also fuels you with passion and purpose, then you are in the right place. Runner Click presents The Passionate Runner with your host, Whitney Hines. 
Emily, it's great to see you. Hi, Whitney. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about this. I had so much fun being on your podcast with you and Gerald. You guys are like the nicest people ever. That was so fun. And it's really fun because we just pretty much did that conversation with you. And now we get to talk again. So we're getting to know each other pretty well. We are. Yeah. When I listened to the podcast, I was like, man, that was like a therapy session with them. (laughs) Like you asked such great questions and made me feel comfortable talking about it. And yeah. So I feel like I owe you $120 or something for the free counseling. (laughs) Well, we got to learn about where you live. So that was, and of course your story too. So that was really fun. Yeah. You know, I like, I don't ever think about Knoxville as a destination, but when I was listening to myself describe it, I was like, I would visit that town. It actually does sound pretty cool. Like it just helps you like appreciate what you have. Like, wow, I am so lucky to live in such a really cool area, family-friendly, runner-friendly. Like I mentioned on the podcast, we live in a running Mecca, and that's why we wanted to move here. But just to ha- being able to talk about that with you was was fun. So thanks for having me on, and thanks for being on The Passionate Runner, because I am so excited to learn more about you. I'm excited. I love that. I love the title, The Passionate Runner. And I feel like there's so many runners out there. And that's why we keep doing it for so long because we're, we're truly passionate about it. So yeah, it's fun. Well, I mean, you have to be, especially when the alarm goes off really, really early and you know, you're so nice and warm and comfortable in your bed and you're like, oh my gosh, in less than an hour, I'm going to be hammering out hard miles and it's going to be really difficult. (laughs) Why else would you do it and not just stay in bed? You know? (laughs) Oh, I know. I mean, I honestly say like if you just don't have the joy for it, you know, and of course for every new runner, it's so hard in the beginning, you know, it's, it's tough. Running is a hard sport, but if you don't find the joy in it and it doesn't really fulfill you, there's a million other things that you can do to move your body. So I think you do have to, you do have to have purpose and, and you have to love it. Yeah. You have to love the process. It can't be just about the race times. Oh my gosh, no. If it was just about the race times, it would be like, oh, I'm moving on to something else. (laughs) And you know, and that's the same. And we'll get to that. I mean, I think we'll segue to that right off the bat. It's the same with the marathon, which I've said before is like, it's such a heartbreaking race. I mean, very, in very rare instances, do I feel like everything comes together where you achieve what you feel like you are capable of achieving. And you just really have to love the process of training for it and just celebrating those little wins in order to actually want to do the marathon and continue to try to tackle the marathon. You know, I really, I do. I love the marathon so much because it really, I just feel like the training and the discipline and just kind of what you have to put into your training from every perspective from time management to nutrition to setting these really fun and hard goals. Those are for me is, are some of the reasons that I keep coming back to the distance and I don't want to walk away from it. And I mean, now I'm at the point where I've fallen down a lot on my butt in front of a lot of people and I don't, I'm not ready to give up. And I think it's good for people to see that, it's not just this one 
linear type of experience to get where you want to be. And that there are a lot of ups and downs and it's all individual. For some people that could be huge ups and downs. And for some, maybe they're just little bumps in the road. So I love the training. I love the distance. So I'm just going to keep hanging in there and keep taking a swing at whatever this brings. So we'll see what happens. I think that I I have a lot of thoughts to share based on what you just said. Like, I think that is so true that when people are honest and vulnerable and show that, Hey, this is hard. Hey, I've had setbacks. Like that does so much to inspire other people to keep going and help them realize that, you know, if they're having setbacks, that it's normal. Like that is when you reframe it as like, that is part of the process. The process is not just like a straight line from start to finish, but it has these ups and downs and some of them are wild swings. So I love that you currently are sharing your comeback journey. And you're right too, that like, you have to love the whole process. You have to view it as like, all the little pieces of the puzzle in order to really be successful at the marathon, at running in general, that it's not just about that, that one day, those few hours, it's about everything that goes into it. And if that doesn't like fill you with joy, then you might need to try pickleball or something. (laughs) (laughs) Take up tennis. Or tennis. Yes. I this game going again. It's been a long time since I worked on my tennis game. <laughs> I think I'll stick with running. <laughs> I know why well, I joke. I'm like, if I get a major injury again in the near future, like it's, I'm going to try pickleball or I'm going to go into badminton or I've always liked tennis, but I've never I have zero training in tennis, Like, <laughs> but it's fun. So maybe I'll try that, but yeah. So let's backtrack. So you had a beautiful marathon build this past like winter and spring. Right. And then, and then just, you know, spoiler alert, you had the DNF at the Eugene marathon. Do you Want to talk about that? And then we'll get into kind of where you are right now, like mentally and physically. Yes. Yes. It's interesting that the mental is probably more important than the physical. Oh, for sure. So yes, the buildup for Eugene was really successful. I felt like, I mean, there's definitely, again, there were a little bit of bumps in the road. So if I back up even more, so I had a knee surgery in October of 2020, the end of October of 2020, I had a knee surgery on the same knee that I had a knee surgery in April of 2015. So I've had two surgeries on the same knee, different types of surgeries. This one wasn't as invasive. And so I was able to come back very quickly from it. I wasn't, I I could be weight bearing. So within a week of the surgery, I was on the bike and cross training and all of that. So that made the recovery process and the comeback a lot smoother. Uh, So then that was October, 2020. And then we went into 2021. I was cross training and just slowly getting back into running and just had no expectation of, I need to hurry up and get ready for anything. Let's just listen to my body. Let's slowly get back to wherever, whatever that means for my Mm -hmm. body at the time. And so that was fun. That was a good process because there was no pressure. It was just kind of like cross train, start to run a little bit, and then fully healed within a couple of months. 
like three months or so, I would say I was back to like running pretty regularly and then spent 2021 and, you know, in the middle of the pandemic still and, and just getting back into training. And then that summer, so that was a year ago, I just did a, a half marathon for fun which was really fun. Went to a beautiful location. We went to Montana. Oh, my son, my nice. Josh. Yep. And we did the glacier half marathon for, you know, just getting back into what it's like to race and no expectations. So that was fun. Did some time trials and on my own and yeah, just had a lot of fun. And then by the fall of 2021, we knew I'd sat down with my coach, Jared Carson is my coach. And I really enjoy working with him. And so we sat down and talked and was like, you know, let's go for a spring marathon. And that gives me plenty of time to think about the whole process of training again and what that's going to entail. And so then just kept, you know, slowly building up. I wasn't specifically marathon training at that point, just still building back up to mileage and just getting into like 50 miles a week for miles and doing workouts and feeling pretty, you know, very normal and back to form at that point. And then I got COVID in January of 2022. (laughs) Yeah. Our whole family uh, got COVID. So it was interesting because I'm like, okay, this is a little bit of a bump in the road and I'm not sure how this is going to, is it going to be a huge boulder or is this going to be just like a little blip? Cause I, you know, you just don't know when you get COVID, there's so many people that have like great, you know, they can recover and rebound quickly. And there's other people that it keeps them down for quite a while. So Mm -hmm. that was the beginning of the year. But for me, I felt horrible. The first like 10 days were pretty bad. And then, and then I felt fine. And then I was kind of like, okay, I only have like 15 weeks to get ready for this marathon. Like, you know, hopefully I can just dive back into training and, and and it, it worked out that way. So that started the buildup for Eugene, had a really smooth buildup, you know, was just able to get in some really quality mileage and workouts. I felt good. And, you know, I just got into a groove as we all do when you get into marathon training and just mm-hmm. got into a really good groove and just tried to work on making sure I was getting enough sleep and, you know, how it is with moms or balancing all the things with the kids. And I work from home and all of that, but it was a good training cycle. And so the marathon was May 1st. So two weeks before that, I was doing a workout and I felt a little bit of something, a pull or something in my right hamstring, like to the point that it was so minuscule that I really wasn't able to identify what it was. I'm like, oh, is that, what is that? Like, I feel something because you're so in tune with your body as Mm -hmm. endurance athletes, you know, we know everything about our body. And so I knew there was something, but I just couldn't even identify what it was. And then the next day I was like, I feel like this might be my hamstring, but it was just so mild. I didn't think anything about it. I definitely acknowledged it and kind of backed off a little bit, but I was like, Oh, it's probably just for all intents and purposes. I was thinking maybe it's just the taper crazy type of thing. Like, you know, when you're in the taper mode, you're kind of like, Oh, what was that? Or Oh, Oh, totally. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So, you know, you understand all of that. And so I thought, well, maybe that's what it is. So then the next, the following week I did a workout, I still kind of felt it, but it was just like more of an irritation than anything. So I just kept going on with the training. There was nothing that stood out that it was like, okay, we need to shut this down. 
And then we traveled to Eugene. Gerald and I took left the kids. We went to Eugene and I was so excited. I was so excited and so ready to lay down a good performance. I felt like everything was there and ready for me to just grab it and take it. And it didn't turn out that way. I started the race. Everything felt fine. You know, I kind of felt like, you know, just the normal start off the race. You start off conservatively and get into a groove. And around mile six, right around the 10K mark, I started feeling like a little bit of nag in the hamstring. And I thought, okay, well, I acknowledge that. I know that it's there, but it's not debilitating and I can work my way through this. It's going to be fine. And it'll probably just work its way out of this and then half a mile to a mile. And then by another mile later, seven and a half miles, it was so bad. It was just like, I could just feel my whole body kind of like shifting, like my stride was being affected by it. I felt like I was kind of leaning to the left side and I tried not to panic. I was like, what is going on right now? Like, how do I navigate through this? And so then I just, I kept going a little bit further. And right before the eight mile mark, I knew that I had a choice to make. I could either, because at this point I had stopped, pulled over to the side of the road and I called my coach and Gerald, they were together. And I was like, this is so bad. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I was like, I mean, cause, and I know that Gerald picked up the phone and he was like, oh my gosh, if she's calling me in the middle of her, (laughs) what in the world is happening? And so I couldn't even talk to him. I was like, I just need to talk to Jared. So it's funny, Gerald, my husband, Jared. (laughs) And I was like, I just need to talk to Jared. And he was like, okay. And so I feel like we need to circle back to that. (laughs) How did Gerald feel about that? (laughs) (laughs) I know, but he knows me so well. He knew that it wasn't anything personal. It was like, it was like a business decision. Right. Yeah. I just need to talk to Jared. (laughs) And so Jared gets on the phone. He's like, Natalie, what's up? And I was like, this is not going well at all. This is kind of like, a disaster. Like, I just feel like I'm in a lot, I'm in a pretty good amount of pain right now. And my stride is really like completely off and it's just really painful. And I just feel like I'm just kind of limping along at this point. And by this point, obviously the group that I was with had gone along and, you know, you just see kind of like, well, yeah, you're seeing the flashes like, of- runners. <laughs> yeah. The clock is ticking. You're like, well, there goes like four minutes, you know, which is yeah. huge. Yes. It's huge. And it was kind of like, well, my, my goal is out the window now. Yeah. And what do I do at this point? And so he was like, all right, this is what we're going to do. I want you to run five more minutes. We're going to meet you and we're going to make a game decision. Like, cause I want it. Cause basically I knew he was thinking like, let's try to like cover every move that we can before we pull out of this. And I was like, yeah, I'm good with this. Cause you put so much, I mean, I was like sitting there on the side of the road and Eugene going, I've put so much into my training. I've left our kids for the weekend, you know, with my mom, but they're not with us. And we've flown here and we've done all this stuff and we prepared so meticulously. Like, I don't want to like throw this away. So I was like, okay. So I got off the phone with him and I started running again. And it was by this point, of course, you're just like, you feel cold. And it was just like, I was literally up and 
Oh yeah. yeah. I was jogging. I was jogging at that I can point. literally feel your pain as you're describing this. <laughs> like, oh, oh, it's bad. It's a it's bad so feeling. It's so bad. And, and I thought to myself as I was limping along to meet them at this point that we had talked about meeting at five minutes down the road. And I thought, well, I can limp my way through this marathon and who knows how long I didn't care about the time. And it's probably going to set me back so far mm-hmm. for the recovery of damaging this hamstring. Like, cause I don't know at this point, you know what I mean? If I just keep pounding on it or I can say, well, I'm going to live another day and like, you know, and just go in and recover properly. And so we met up and I was like, this is not working. I'm just like, it hurts. And, and it wasn't like, it wasn't. And and I know Whitney, you understand this as a marathoner yourself. It wasn't like, you know, we all have little aches and pains and things that happen in the marathon. That's just part of the sport, but it wasn't that it was like, this hamstring is just done at this point. And so it's telling me that. And now I have to listen to my body. And if I just push myself through just to say that I crossed a finish line, A, I'm not going to do anything that I know that I'm capable of. And B, I'm going to be so injured after this that who knows when I'm going to be able to get back on the road again. So anyway, so we pulled out the super emotional, you know, I mean, who wants a DNF? you know, and I always believe in finishing what you start, you know, and you don't quit and all of these things, but it just wasn't meant to be that day. So anyway, so we went back to the, the brand new stadium, which is really cool. in Eugene and, and I got to sit there and watch everybody come in and finish. And the group that I was with got to see, you know, some of those runners finish and, you know, I just tried to reframe it in a super positive way as much as I possibly could. And just say, well, Nat, you know what? You didn't damage yourself to the point that it's going to take you months and months and months and months to come back from this. And so, yeah, so that was May 1st and, you know, it's mid-July now. And, um, and you know, I'm really glad that I made the decision that I did because it ended up, because I, I came back home and we immediately started like planning and strategizing and thinking about what we were going to do with the fitness that I had and where I wanted to go with it. And there was a marathon in this, like the first weekend in June. And I thought I can just, you know, recoup from this and I can still run this marathon in June, which was like four weeks later. And I just wasn't even able to do that. It just took a lot more rehab than I thought. So I'm really Mm -hmm. glad that I didn't, you know, limp my way through the Eugene marathon. So, yeah, I mean, you, like, I admire so much how you were able to look at it objectively and play the long game when, I mean, cause there's so many battling emotions and thoughts at that moment. Like you're thinking about well, I've, I've sacrificed so much. I put so much into it. My family is sacrificed, but then you're also like, but the smart move is in this moment, the right decision is to pull out because I could tear my hamstring and I could be out for a year or more. And I also very much admire that you were able to turn it around so quickly and go cheer on the other runners when I think so many other people would have like just gone to the nearest pub or something, you know, and just like (laughs) drown their sorrows in their post marathon beer. How were you able to do that? You reframed so quickly. Yeah, no, it wasn't as, I mean, it definitely was difficult. I mean, I mean, I was had a tear stained face 
And I was a little chilly, you know, cold Mm -hmm. and, you know, you're sweaty from that eight mile tempo run, basically marathon paced run, you know, at least for seven miles of it. And yeah, I mean, it was kind of like, I don't know. I just, I thought, well, you know, I'm going to try to make the best of the experience that I have. I'm here. There's this beautiful stadium. There's a lot of great things that are happening. These runners are like putting their all into it and they're having a great day. And my day is going to come. It's just unfortunately not going to be today, but I do want to be there. I do want to cheer other people on and just be there and soak up the experience. And I felt like for me at that moment, that would be a little bit better than kind of going off and drowning and crying in my tears, mm-hmm. which I wanted to do and probably did. And little bit sitting there, but I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I made that decision. I feel like that's a great lesson that we learn from running is especially marathoning. Like you come up against so many potentially negative things that can just sour your whole experience. And you have to have the mental fortitude to focus on the positive and realize that you have the power to shift how this experience goes. Like when I'm in the car and my kid, like we just got back from a road trip and my kids are like screaming and fighting and, you know, and I'm like, instead of losing it and being like, oh, this whole day is shot and it's going to be terrible. Like I, you know, I feel like running has helped me. Okay. Oh, well, there's not that much traffic and it's a pretty day and we're safe and how lucky we were to spend yesterday at the beach. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's one of the many gifts that running gives us is the ability to attach ourselves to those small positive things and reframe situations, no matter what they are. And, but it's still so hard. And so I think, especially with something so with so much gravity with it, like, I just think that's so amazing that you were able to do that and turn, I mean, you turn, you made lemonade out of that. (laughs) I wish it would have been a little spiked maybe, but (laughs) (laughs) we did have it. We, I, you know, I had, it's it's funny. It's interesting with, I don't really crave or want alcohol during a training cycle. It's not even one of those things where I'm like, I will not drink. It's just kind of like, I don't want it. I don't, I just would rather have noon or water or lemonade or something. Right. But then afterwards we did go out and we did have beers for lunch and that did feel good. So I was like, all right, it's all good. (laughs) That helps you just kind of like celebrate because all is not lost. Like for anybody who is, you know, who had a race that didn't go their way, like you still have the hay in the barn from your training cycle. And so it's important, I think, to remember that. But yeah, no, I'm the same way with, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with just the fact that like training involves having to wake up so early. And so if I have a glass of wine at night, like it's just going to make me really tired and be like, is it bedtime yet? (laughs) Come on. I know it's like two hours before your bedtime, but can we get the show on the road? (laughs) For sure. It's just going to make me too relaxed. Okay. So you are now at like pool running, you, you're weightlifting, you're doing all the right things. You've run a little bit. So where are you now? So I'm in a really good place now. So I'm running 
like this week, I'm running three times during the week, which is a big deal. Yeah. And then supplementing that with pool running and, and a lot of strength work, which I was doing anyway. I was doing a really good amount of strength work during my training cycle. So yeah, so we're um, we're moving in the right direction. Like I have a longer run this weekend, the longest that I've had. Like I have an eight mile run this weekend, which is a big deal. That's the longest I've run since the marathon. So yeah, we're on a good path. I'm excited for summer training. So you're still like in a very like tenuous situation in that you're not looking too far ahead saying, oh, I'm going to sign up for Houston or whatever. No, I know I'm going to run a fall marathon. (laughs) Oh, you are. Oh, I'm going to run a fall marathon. So it's funny because I mean, basically I am at the beginning of a marathon training cycle right now, which is interesting because normally I'm not at the beginning of a cycle where I'm pool running, you know, for -hmm. the majority of the week, but I'm like, this is just part of the process and I'm going to trust it. I'm going to trust the fitness that I've gained in the winter and spring And I'm going to trust that, like, I feel good now. My hamstring feels good. And the next week or two will be, you know, fully running six days a week. And yeah, I've got time. I mean, I've got time and I I would really like to salvage this year and put down a good performance in the marathon. So that's what I'm putting in the universe. Yay. So that's what I'm putting in the universe. And there you have it, folks. Do you hear me, universe? (laughs) You heard what I said. I am going to salvage this year. Okay. So what marathon are you running? Are you sharing or are you just kind of keeping that close to the vest? You know, it's so interesting that you asked me that because for Eugene, I kept it close to the vest. Right. I was just like, I don't, I kind of went back and forth because in the past with like blogging and social media and all that, I've always kind of been the runner that like shares, like I'm doing this race and like, here's what I'm doing every week. And this is how many weeks that I have left. And, oh, you know, and then, okay, now I'm traveling to the race and now this is happening. And I was, and I love that. And I thought, well, I love that, but maybe there's another way to, to tell the story there's all different ways to tell a story. Maybe I veer off and tell it a different way. And and I don't know. So I didn't think about it too carefully, but I just kind of like dove into the training and I didn't really talk about it too much. And I definitely mm-hmm. didn't say this is the marathon that I'm doing. And I like that approach as well. This time, you know, people have been so wonderful about, and as they always are, like, how are you doing? And, and mm-hmm. how's the injury going? And so yeah, I don't mind talking about it. I mean, I, I haven't formally signed up, but I'm thinking of in, doing Indy, running the Indy Marathon. Oh, or possibly. I've heard a, we're switching because yeah. I'm doing CIM, which you love, and you may do Indy. Indy's nice and flat for sure. It is. I mean, I've, that's what I've heard. I haven't experienced it yet, but I've heard some good things from a lot of different people. And so I haven't fully committed yet, but that's on the radar. So that's like 16 weeks away. Yay. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's exactly. That's so I went last year to support my friends and I may have a couple more friends running this year. So if I go, we have to meet up. Oh, that would be so fun. We have to have to totally meet up. I would love Um, that. Yes. I would love to cheer you on. Be prepared. It is cold. It's usually cold. So you just, like, I made a mistake when I ran it to think like, oh, well, I'll warm up. And I was freezing the whole time. And it was like 22 degrees at the start. And I was like 
wearing not next to nothing. I don't know what I was thinking. So yeah, I have definitely heard about the cold and to dress appropriately. So I've definitely thought about that. And, and I think too, like I haven't hit the register button yet just because I want to make sure that, you know, there's that right. Oh yeah. In the back of your head, you're like, okay, am I going to be good to like, you know, put in the work that is necessary to run a good marathon. So, but you know, I love talking about it because I think there's always people out there that are going through the same thing. And like, and I think social media, like, you know, it's just a pretty snapshot of your life. It's not the real nitty gritty. And I, and I like putting it all out there, you know, and like, Mm -hmm. there's a lot that kind of goes into all of this and it's not always easy and it doesn't always work out in the most beautiful way, but that's okay. Yeah, no, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I like you is because you're real. I like the real people who, you know, yes, you're right. It's not just the pretty snapshot. We want to put it all out there because it helps inspire others too, because they realize that it's not easy for anyone. But yeah, well, I'm excited because if you end up doing that one, it is a very well-run race. It's a great experience. The town is great. People are super. I don't know if you've covered Indianapolis on the sweet run. But it's a really friendly town and like it's super convenient and there's a bunch of great hotels right by the start and finish. So I give yeah. it two thumbs up. Okay, it good. Broke my heart. That marathon broke my heart, but I give it two thumbs up. <laughs> oh, it broke your heart. What happened when you ran? And- that was the one I ran. That was my last marathon. That was the one I ran with my torn right hamstring. So. Oh my gosh. Your torn right hamstring is, oh my gosh. That's right. I remember that conversation so well when we, you and I and Gerald talked. And I remember thinking that you still ran a 256 despite the fact of being injured, which I think is phenomenal. Well, thanks. But see, if I had made a smart call to, to drop and not run it with an injured leg, it wouldn't have taken me over a year to recover and still have compensatory injuries to grapple with after that. So, but you know, you, I shot my shot and, uh, you know, we have long running careers ahead of us. So, you know, there are other races, you just have to make that judgment call. Okay, listeners, this is kind of a unique podcast this week. Natalie and I recorded about six weeks ago and so much is, and then we had to re-record some of the audio got lost and now we've we're re-recording and so much has happened in the past like six or eight weeks whenever we recorded, I don't know. So we're going to shift gears kind of a lot and talk about a lot of different things like that are happening in the world and that's happened in Natalie's life. So we'll just pick up earlier in the show, we're talking about indie. Are you still doing indie? Yes. Okay. So I'm glad we could do this. And you're right. So much has changed in the last six to eight weeks. And one of those changes is Indy. So when when we were talking, Whitney, I was telling you about training for Indy and I'm super excited and feeling like coming on the other side of my hamstring injury, which was taking a lot longer than I anticipated to heal. And then my life just kind of blew up, which we can talk about that. But my life just changed dramatically. And Still, I was like really wanting to run indie and just kind of like forge ahead. I had missed a lot of um, runs and there was a lot of interruptions and the consistency was like all over the place. And yet then I kind of got back on track, but I only had nine weeks 
at that point until Indy. And I talked to my coach, Jared, about it. And we were like, okay, I still have so much of my training from the spring and the winter. And I did tons of cross training during the hamstring injury. So I still have a lot of fitness built up, even though it doesn't feel like it right now. And he felt confident that I could definitely run. I think we were both talking about like, not sure if it could be a PR effort, but then you never know. I've talked to people who've had shorter buildups and they end up doing great. So I went into it, the you know, starting the training again, feeling like, well, anything's possible. I just have to put in the work. So I've been super consistent. I've been very consistent and the workouts have been okay. They're not been super great, but I think that's to be expected, especially because I've been under a lot of stress. And your body definitely feels that and takes it on. And then I just started to feel a lot of pressure. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll feel better tomorrow. And then I'm like, wake up. And I and I was just thinking, I felt like I was preparing for an exam that I was grossly unprepared for. And I never function well like that. I always like to go into anything that I do, like very, very, very prepared. And then still feeling like, okay, it's just going to be a couple weeks until I get my legs under me. And that kind of went on. And then long story short, I was just like, this feels like a lot of pressure. Not only just training, and by this time it was eight weeks away, but the travel part, you know, I live in LA, I have to travel to India. It's not like I live in the Midwest and it's not, not a big deal. And I, and leaving my kids and d- juggling all that. And then everything I've been through with Gerald in the last six weeks or so, I was like, this feels like a lot right now. And I never like to feel like you're walking away from something, but I just was like, I wonder if I'm going to go into this and just be super stressed about it instead of excited and like optimistic. Like, And, and I was like, that's not why I run. That's not why I train and race to feel pressure. Like I do it because it brings me joy. So anyway, I've decided not to do indie. And I'm going to just keep training and do a late fall or early winter marathon to be decided. I know it is so hard as a runner to arrive at that decision, but I think going back to your why and realizing that, you know, running, this is supposed to be bringing me joy and making me happy and it's not that being able to do that just makes it that much easier of a decision. And knowing that you didn't lose that fitness, it's still there and there are other races. So I'm going to ask that you do CIM so we can meet each other. (laughs) (laughs) I would love that. I will say right up front in that. I'm totally kidding. No pressure. (laughs) Well, you know, it's so funny. Like, So at the beginning of 2022, like so many runners, I was planning out my racing schedule, which is so funny. Like nothing has come to fruition how I planned it. Like there's been like a literally a major wrench in everything. So I'm like, okay, I don't know what the universe is trying to tell me, but I really wanted to run CIM. And I decided back in like February that I couldn't run it because of my son's cross country um, championship uh, that weekend that I really like don't want to miss that. And I, it was on my heart and I was like, I really don't want to miss that. So anyway. But we will meet each other at some point for sure. We will. We will. And who knows? Like, gosh, I could have a wrench and not be able to. You just life is unpredictable. As much as we runners want to be able to control everything, I think one of the things that makes running so hard is you invest so much and then it's all like up to chance. 
you know, it's, it's another good lesson in life. And so do you want to talk about what happened with Gerald? Sure. Yes. I mean, gosh, I mean, if anyone follows me on social media, they will, they can go back and look at posts as well, but it's very, you know, we've had a very interesting and crazy and emotional summer and I will condense it as quickly as I can. Um, basically my husband, Gerald, who's also my co-host on the sweet run podcast is a healthy, young, fit guy who takes great care of himself and, and is just like in good shape and has never had any health problems. He's always been good about going to the doctor and just kind of like quote unquote, doing everything right. Like we all feel like we're doing and yeah, you can make improvements here and there, but just feeling like we know that we live a really healthy lifestyle. Anyway, he ended up, you know, being on a run, having a really heavy feeling in his chest that felt very unusual, felt it again while he was walking, told me about it immediately, went to the doctor. They diagnosed him with high cholesterol and pre-diabetes, which we were very shocked by that. He immediately went into fight or flight mode of changing the lifestyle that we had and becoming more taking out all meat completely and oil. And he was just doing tons of research thinking that he could, you know, do it on his own. They quickly told him that it was so severe that they felt like before they had even done the invasive test that they just wanted him to take a statin. So he, after fighting through that, we ended up taking it. He ended up not feeling well when we were out and we went to the ER which led to an angiogram that we already had scheduled, which led to the fact that the main artery to his heart was completely blocked and the other two were almost completely blocked and that there was no other choice to save his life than to have emergency open heart triple bypass surgery. This happened like boom, 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 boom. Very quickly. He had the surgery on August 10th and now he is recovering. So that's the shortened version. But yes, it has been quite the journey in our family, which is, you know, why I had to make decisions about running and training and like really just put my family first, of course. And thank God, you know, he is fine now and he's recovering and healing and getting a little bit stronger every day. So I think the big lesson here that we both want to put out to the world is that this could happen to anybody. We really feel like if this could happen to us, it could happen to anybody. You can be a runner. You can be fit. You can take care of yourself. You can feel like you're doing all the things that you should be doing to take care of your health. And something like this happens. And we just feel thankful that he wasn't on a run and had a heart attack and died because it does happen. And I I was saying to you, Whitney, before we hit record, that I have had two friends tell me that same story. When I was telling them and crying to them about what was going on with Gerald and how I was going to navigate through this, they were like, Nat, you are so lucky. We've had two friends whose husbands went on a run, had a heart attack and died because they didn't know. So take care of your health, you know, and and even more, you know what I'm saying? Like take what you're doing now and like elevate it to whatever next level that is and just make sure you're getting checked up. And if, if anything doesn't feel right, I think we tend to say, oh, it's fine or, oh, I'm just dehydrated or, oh, it's just this or, oh, I'm just tired. And like maybe that is the case, but I think to be on the safe side, go get it checked out. So yeah, I mean- what a whirlwind and like people don't even see like just that story is it's so scary and then like you as like 
mom being strong for your kids and what to tell them. And, you know, he's in the hospital. I mean, just all of it is just a complete nightmare. And I'm just beyond happy and relieved that, you know, he's home and he's recovering and he's moving forward. And you're right. Like, it's not like we want to live in fear, but just, you know, be proactive. Make sure you go to your annual appointments or get your blood checked every couple or like twice a year. I recommend twice a year. Yeah. And just make and don't ignore symptoms. Like, I mean, I think like, especially runners, especially men, I think too, like, oh, it's fine. I don't want to, you know, it's just I'm stressed out and make excuses or you don't want to bother with it. But yeah, like just being really like proactive. That's, that's a great message. And thanks for sharing your lesson from that. Yeah. And I wanted to say, like, I'm so glad that he this was the one time that he didn't excuse it away, that he literally did call me and say, this doesn't feel right. Like, I've never felt this like heaviness. And he kind of explained it in detail. And it's like, thank goodness, because if he would have just said, oh, it'll be fine, then the decision would have been made for him. So no, definitely don't live in fear. I mean, I think go out and live this beautiful life. Like just go and have, do all the things you want to do. Just be aware if you feel something or don't miss an appointment, you know, a scheduled physical or if something doesn't feel right, just talk to your doctor about it. So yeah. And be an advocate for yourself too, because I think, I mean, this is like a bigger topic, but you know, oftentimes like doctors are busy and they just kind of write off complaints. And so if you really truly feel like something is off, Make sure that they are going, like they are taking you seriously and doing what they need to do to get to the bottom of it instead of like, oh, that's just here. Let me just write another prescription for you, you know? Totally. Okay. And we're also recording this during the week that Liza Fletcher's body was found. And so I know that that's been weighing heavy on your heart. It has been mine. And so we were talking a little bit about it before we press record, but... I just, again, like it's kind of a similar, like it can happen to you. It can happen to me. Like none of us are, again, we don't want to live in fear, but you also want to be just vigilant of these dangers that are out there for your health, for your safety, especially like you and I were talking about as moms, you know, she was running early in the morning because that was like the only time that she had to do it because she worked, she had kids here in Knoxville, a couple days after she disappeared, a woman was out running in broad daylight downtown in a safe area, and she was kidnapped. And they, you know, they attempted to rape her, and somebody came to her to help her. So I don't know. I just like, do you have any thoughts to share on that? I know we're all just like broken up about it. Yeah. Yes. There's a lot to unpack. I mean, I do feel like you can't live your life in fear. I mean, life is so short and I think things happen to us and it makes you realize it's like, gosh, you know, I don't want to live my life feeling like I'm not going to do this or I can't do that. Like I'm still going to go on my run today. I'm still going to go on my run tomorrow. And so are so many other millions of women. And we absolutely should. I think we do have to, we have to be vigilant. We have to 
rethink maybe even the way that we do things. I think we have to be prepared in case of an emergency or if someone were to try to attack you, what really would you, what would you do? And are you prepared? Have you taken a self-defense class? Do you have some sort of safety device on you that you can fight back with? Because I think, and I was talking about this in a post this week, but I think we say that we would do this and this and this, and I would fight, but would you really? Because you'd be taken off, you'd be taken aback, you're off guard, you're all the fear and adrenaline is coursing through your body. And it's kind of like sometimes that can paralyze you and you think you would be able to do these things, but then you don't. And then you've got this huge man who's bigger than you that overtakes you by surprise. And there's just so many things. So I think we have to, and I know for me, it's like now I'm really, I want to practice that. Like, what would I do? How can I tweak the little things that, how can I tweak my routine and what I'm doing? I mean, I run alone 99% of the time and that's just the way it is because of my schedule and just life. And so I'm not going to commit myself to the treadmill or like not, I'm not going to do that. Right. Right. Because then it's not, I mean, that's, then it's not enjoyable. Totally. Like I was trying to explain to my husband, like I have a 14 mile workout tomorrow morning. I'm going to have to do in the dark because the kids, we have to leave early for kids soccer games. And, you know, I'm like, I guess I'm just going to have to run the same mile path near our house, like repeat, you know, seven times to get my workout in. But like, that's not it. You know, he's like, Oh, it's good for mental toughness. Yes. But I'm also like, it's not enjoyable. Like running is I also do it because it brings me joy. And, you know, just having to just limit, I don't know, just having to worry about that stuff when all you want to do is just go out and challenge yourself and make yourself better so you can be better for your family. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's frustrating. It's hard. I think the only thing we can do is just try to be as safe as we can and let people know where we're going and just don't make yourself a target. Like no one should be able to track. Like no one should be able to look at us and say, I know that Whitney runs at 7 a.m. every day on this route. Nobody should know that. Yes. Because you wouldn't be doing that. It's like Whitney might run at 5 a.m. She might run at 10 a.m. She might run at 6 p.m. And she might be here, 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 here. Like, and that's how it should be. Like, where nobody has any idea your pattern. So I think that's the biggest takeaway, too. And totally, you know, so. Yeah. When you talk about tweaking your habits, that's what I've done. I didn't use my Garmin live tracker before this week. And now I'm, I'm using that so my husband knows where I am. I always have my phone tucked in my sports bra so that I can easily access it. But, you know, I have personal safety items that I don't run with. And now I am. And Strava, the Strava controls, I, I went in there because Strava defaults to public. And so I really want people to go in there and look and make sure that you change your settings so that strangers can't follow you and know where you're running and know where you live. Because if if you're public, somebody can go and look at your route and very easily determine where your house is, which is terrifying. Terrifying. I am, you know, I've been one of the very few people that don't use Strava, probably for that exact reason. I love the concept and the idea. And I think it's an awesome app. I just feel like when you're on social media a lot and you put your life out there, that's just like, it feels like, it felt like to me, I'm like, that's just one more thing that's just too much. For me personally, 
if there was a way to like really secure it where people couldn't track me, maybe I would, you know, maybe. So we'll see. But I think just do what's right for you. Tweak everything that you're currently doing and live life, you know? Yeah. Go run. (laughs) Just live life, I guess, carefree, but not carelessly. I don't know if there's like, if you look it up in the dictionary, if it there's like a different definition for each one. But I feel like, you know, you can go out there and have fun and live your life, but also keep your wits about you. That's right. Even if it means running the same mile over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to let me know how that workout turns out. <laughs> and I'll be mentally tougher. That's for sure. That's right. <laughs> and all those turnarounds will prepare me for you know, a tricky race course or something. Well, Natalie, thank you so much for making the time to re-record this. I know your life is extra crazy, but I know I speak for everyone when I say that we are so, so glad that Gerald is recovering well and that you were there for him. And I just like very much admire your strength because I can only imagine just how hard that was, especially as a mom. Because everybody was scared. And so I very much admire you. Oh, thank you so much. And, you know, it's been a life lesson about the fragility of life and just to be thankful for every moment, you know? So I'm just, I'm beyond humbled as far as like getting through all of this and like having a positive outcome. And so I'm happy to share my story, Gerald's story, to help other people and, uh, yeah, it's uh, it makes you just feel super joyful and grateful for life. Again, like another reason why I admire you. You're you do such a good job of like making lemonade out of you know bad situations. <laughs> so, well, thank you so much, and we'll chat again soon. Sounds good, Whitney. Thank you so much for having me. All right, thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you again, Natalie, and thank you all for listening to The Passionate Runner. Full show notes from each episode, which includes a summary, key takeaways, quotes, and any of the resources we mentioned are available at runnerclick.com slash podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're enjoying the content and getting value from the episodes, please leave a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com slash runner. We'll be sure to read those out on future episodes. We will talk to you next time.